Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke, don't do If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars. Well, Hawkeye Stacks and Jacks. I'm tomorrow, Andrew on the board. SP Futures down 75 cents. Yeah, a whole 75 cents. As they features down 18.50, we were way up yesterday, then we ducked down, then we went back up, then we went down, and we finished darn near unchanged. So it was kind of a odd day, but it's a couple days in a row now. We've lost rallies. We've lost big rallies in the morning. So I don't know, I don't know what that means. But we were up huge yesterday on that CPI number, and then, then not so much. Uh, matter of fact, I'll do the exact number here since I'm talking about it. We have Mr. Kevin. Good morning. Um, how are you? I'm doing just fine this morning. Well, that's fine. You got this is your last week before him. I should go with fine and dandy. I, you know, there, there oh, was God. a great George uh, um, George Carlin uh, snippet on that. Fine and dandy. Are you sometimes fine and sometimes dandy, or can you? Do you have to be both? Yeah. Well, you can be. Yesterday, Dow was up 52. S and P up one. Nasdaq up 15. Um, this is yet yet another example. I, I boy, I'd love to have these guys as my. Is my uh, dudes that uh, I don't know, I'll find anything? I just had it. Uh, you know, you know what we're trying to do? We're trying to we're trying to vacuum carbon out of the air now. You heard of this? That's going to work really well, I'm sure. Accidental and Climeworks, which is some Swedish firm, big winners as Biden allocates billions for CO2 removal. Department of Energy is investing 1.2 billion. And giant vacuums that suck carbon out of the air—an effort to slow global warming. Man, I want to get—I want to get in the uh, business of creating giant vacuum cleaner bags. Funding for two more hubs is expected sometimes next year, with the government committing 3.5 billion to this carbon-reducing technology overall. Overall, man, oh man, I'd love to have that contract. Good lord. Are, are we going to find out someday in the future that uh, we, that if we take too much carbon out of the out of the planet, that we're just screwing things up worse? I I, I don't know. I don't understand why we don't uh, why we just don't. You know, we we have no. The easiest thing would be to plant a million trees a year or something. We don't want to do that, do we? Uh, I wonder what we could do if we had like a two or three year plan to grab a couple of square miles of like forest preserve. Um, get some kids to work for the summer, go out there and clean up all the underbrush crap, the stuff that's rotting and everything. It's actually creating carbon dioxide and plant a whole bunch of trees and stuff and figure out what the the carbon dioxide or the oxygen signature is when we started what it would be two or three years from now. I bet we could up the oxygen a lot if we wanted to. Just saying. Yeah, well, we probably could, but on on the other hand, Tom, that's union work. You can't just hire some kids for the summer. Well, but it's better than three point five billion for this thing. Now, 
I gotta believe these guys are gonna. How would you like to be the, the guys working on that? I mean, just I mean, you're, you're set for years, for God's sake. Who would even think of such a thing? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I I, I can't imagine. Um, it, it sounds it sounds like a bunch of something a bunch of stoners would do. You're sitting around and you're just kicking things around. Someone say, I got an idea. Let's create these giant vacuums. <laughs> I mean, it's. I, it, is is there is is there a Roomba version that we can just turn them loose on the planet and they can just scoot around the planet? Well, then, they, well, then they, they're going to bury the carbon. Oh, that's going to work. Or, or, or well, here because, because we we have we have no feeling whatsoever for um, for what the 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 below ground um, part of you know of, of of affecting temperatures is, and so let's let's just dump the carbon there. Well, no, it's going to be, they'll eventually remove more carbon per year than all of the current projects combined. Because there's, there's some of these around the world. I guess there's one in Sweden. Once the carbon is trapped, it can be stored underground or used for various other resources, from building materials to agricultural products, even to man-made diamonds. There you okay, go. good. Oh, cool. We have more diamonds then. So once they're up and running, you know, I, I think there's a social good to that, isn't there? And once they're up and running, these hubs are expected to remove more than two million metric tons of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere every year, which is like taking nearly half of a million gas-powered cars off the road. All right then. Without replacing them with electric cars that yeah. um, use uh, other problems, they have other problems. Yeah, well, that, that have their other uh, pollution problems. So, yep, yeah, okay, I'm I'm all in. These guys I'm are all in. these guys are really all in with this without even. You know, I I think the you know the the motto of some people has just has to be, hey, we didn't think it through. Yeah, it's we a, just went with it. We didn't think it through. It sounded like an idea. We had a bunch of money of other people's money, and we gave it to them. By the way, they're going to vote for me. <laughs> Maybe yeah. vote for me. I'll set you free. Yeah, it's a wrap on, brother. Yeah, it's a. What do you, what do you think of all the the stuff we were digging into this week and some of the numbers that. You know, I, I came up with in doing some research. I got to stop doing that. Uh, I had no idea that there's 43 million people with student student loans, and the average payment is 286 dollars a month. What's that? 12 billion dollars a month if people start paying those things off. That's a lot of money coming out of the system. It's a giant sucking sound. Um, that would be a lot of money coming out of the system, but that's okay. Actually, it's not coming out of the system. It's just getting redirected. Well, oh, you're saying you're saying it is it is money coming out of the system. So it's coming now. out of people's pockets. I mean, yeah. So what you do by uh, um, uh, is that uh, it's going to um, it's going to have an inflationary effect. Uh, well, actually, no. <laughs> well, you want to throw that much money? It's it's, it's going to go back into you know it's we're going to free up cash. We're going to throw that cash back into the into the system to be spent. What? But it's coming out. By the of way, you remember the inflation reduction bill? Yeah. Yeah, how's that too. working? Uh, in, fact, in fact, I think I think they relied on the uh, um, the Wharton School's uh, analysis of it that they, they were touting. It said it's going to reduce the deficit by two hundred and sixty billion or something like that yeah. over ten years. And uh, Wharton just sent out a revision of that and said, "Oops, well, it really looks like it's going to be more like a trillion in the other direction." <laughs> well, it's the same thing as you know the Trump tax cuts. We're going to it's going to make us so more efficient that we're going to end up with more money. No, no, it doesn't. Just saying. Didn't didn't they have didn't the um, revenues go up right away though after that? Well, I mean, it's it's hard to the, the revenues may may go up. They, yeah, well, they did something. They took money from the people who want to repatriate. Though, remember? 
So they took some of that. That's might have been the reason why they went up. Because when they weren't able people to repatriate at a much lesser less price or something. Yeah, I'd have time. to dig into it, Tom. But I, I mean, it, I, I just remember that the the number actually for a couple of years there at least, and I stopped paying attention after that. Um, moved in the direction of uh, more tax revenue. Well, the th- again, but again, I don't trust anybody's numbers. So, you know, well, I mean, when you when you I, don't I'm have not, any inflation, I'm not make bank on that. What if what if, for instance, you had a, a river that was flooding, and it was coming up to your house, and you just said, "It's not flooding anymore." When your house washes away, you like the CPI number. Just give out the, whatever number you want. I'm, I'm there. Yeah, they're just a. Uh, no, it didn't really flood. We said the river only got to 20 feet, and your house is 25 feet. It must still be fine. We have it. It's not here anymore. No, that's yeah. fine. So, that's fine. so you mentioned, you know, that uh, uh, we we rallied on the CPI number and then seemed to back off. Do you think that's the the rally is on the initial news, and then people start to dig into it a little bit and go, "Oops." Well, I, I think it's uh, this whole idea and, and the mentality. I think we we put into people, and uh, even even people. Uh, you know, um, it, the, for whatever reason, the, the whole idea of the stock market has somewhat changed since I've been in the business. Maybe it's because of the 401ks, maybe it's because of the IRAs, whatever it is. It's it's no longer value in companies, really. It's 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 America's piggy bank, where you judge everything, how it's going by the stock market. I mean, if you could go back in the late 20s, and probably people would think that everybody was doing fine because the market kept going up, but that wasn't the truth. And it's really not the truth now, but the the, the f- we just had a routine where we're, I mean, it, just think about it for a second. I mean, everybody, if you can, it, we just went through a horrendous economic damn near shutdown in COVID, and the market went straight up the whole time because money got poured into the system. I mean, it, it's, it's it's not about the value of whatever it is. It's about the, you're you're talking about two things that have value. One is the 57 Cadillac, the other is the dollars you're paying for it. Okay, the 57 Cadillac today is worth 50 grand. Right? If you double the amount of dollars in the system, it's worth 100 grand. One versus the other. But the Cadillac's still worth the same price versus the Chevy next to it. We're so used to thinking of things in terms of dollars because dollars are supposed to be a storehouse of value. They aren't anymore. They haven't been for 25 years now. And they weren't, they weren't in the 70s. The 60s and 70s and early 80s, and now they're not again. I mean, some some guy. I mean, in in you know, not that we. I guess we do care about individual Russians, but some some guy in Russia is his entire wealth was probably in 1,500 hour U.S. bills. How's that guy done in the last 10 years in terms of buying power of that those 1,500 hour bills? I mean, well, it, it depends on uh, whether he dealt with the Biden family or not. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I mean, people and you. Nobody looks at it that way until you either take a class or do traveling like the people from Europe. And I, I mean, I after after my Notre Dame education, which was pretty darn good, I never really landed in a class at University of Chicago that I was not, I'd say, more than prepared for, especially the the ones that everybody had to take. Except I took one in international economics. For the first eight weeks, I was so far behind. They must have had 25 people in there that were from Europe or someplace. Kevin, I was I was like a, a, a you know a dog compared to those guys when it when it came to knowing what this the first day. The guys talking about okay, if we do this here, what happens to Credit Lyonnais? A? What happens to that place? The guys are answering these questions. I'm going, well, what are they talking about? It was like absolute Greek to me. 
until I, you know, I, all of a sudden I thought, I better, I better spend some time on this class. So I'm digging into their book and read all the stuff. And finally, at the end of about 8 or 10, 12 weeks, I was somewhat on, on, a, on a par. But we don't, we don't think of things that way because it's always been the dollar in our pocket. Most people don't go to Europe like every other year. And now it's only one, one, one well, I guess there's a pound in the euro dollar. But, but like if you went in the early 90s, every time you every time you, you damn near took a step, you had a, oh, no, now I'm going from a, the German mark to the Austrian, whatever the hell, was it the Krona? And then, uh, and then, then you, and then I'm doing a Swiss franc. I mean, it, it was part of everybody's vernacular. How how much? Oh man, my, my the the British the the the, the uh, dollar went down today versus the mark, and I can only buy four beers instead of five or something with my. Well, I mean, think of it like this. Yes, if you're traveling Europe, that's the way you're going to think or at the time. When, yeah. You know, where they uh, mix their currencies, um, because it would be. Much, much more akin to having a different currency in each state here, and so as you traveled from state yeah. to state, because most of a lot of those uh, countries are really nothing more than a, uh, the equivalent of a large state. Oh, sure. In in the U.S., so yeah, imagine if you had you'd, you'd be very aware of currency values <coughs> uh, and and differences in banking systems and so on if you. Uh, uh, if you had to deal with it as you travel from state to state here in the U.S., but, but you don't, we, we, we don't, <laughs> we, we don't normally have the vernacular. As if I'm, I'm looking for an older truck, right? I always like to look for old trucks, and I'm looking for, you know, one of the ones that were earlier that don't have much miles, and I can just use the bump around and, and uh, so I'm going to say, before COVID, four or five years ago, you could buy these things easily. For eighty five hundred bucks, one in nice shape, say a ninety nine ninety eight, if you like that style, uh, and now they're twelve five to fourteen. You could say, "Gee, all these bleeps raise the price of these trucks because of inflation, and they're and they're gaming me, or gouging me," or if you if you have had this drilled into your noggin, you'll say, "The reason why." The price of the car his truck has not gone up at all. The value of the dollar in my pocket. I now need twelve thousand to give the guy the same value I used to be able to get to your mate. But no, we're we're not wired that way, and we, we, never, we probably never will be. And I think the the government takes huge advantage of that dramatically. I mean, it's it's these guys raising prices. They're the bad guys. Because then again, you have some places that are, have the ability to raise prices. Because one of the another concept, Kevin, that it, it is really hard to, to deal with is uh, Milton Friedman. So I, I took a, a class on the theory of price. God, I'd never do that again. It was nothing but calculus and all kinds of graphs all over the damn place. Uh, but you got to sit and listen to Milton Friedman all day. And he, he goes, one of the concepts you'll never be able to explain to anybody because they'll think you're absolutely gaga is that in, in the short term, there is no connection between. Uh, the, su- uh, the supply and the demand price. In other words, between if, if all of a sudden there's a four-day rain and there's 15 umbrellas in town, it doesn't matter what you paid for them. You're, the, the price of umbrellas are going up way beyond where anybody even begins to think you paid for it. It makes no difference what you paid for it. Now, in the long run, yeah, it does. I mean, a year from now, when, when you can start producing uh, umbrellas and you can start all of a sudden now, okay, I can buy them, I can stock my stores with a whole bunch of them for 10 bucks, and I can sell them for 15 or 20 and be happy. You're not going to price them at 50 But in the, in the short term, there's no... You th- anybody thinks that when uh, you go down the block and the gas prices either go up 20 cents or down 20 cents, 
because of the competition in the area. Because the guy across the street essentially is 20 cents higher or lower. You either raise yours because you can or you lower it because you have to. Does it really matter what you paid for your last tanker truck? Mm-mm. No. Another another very difficult concept to you know to deal with. I mean, if if all of a sudden you have uh, stakes in your place, well, yeah. hardly anybody does cost plus pricing. I mean, that's what you're getting at. And no, you you know you you price you know anybody who has any brains about uh, pricing their products knows that you are going to uh, uh, price it based on what you can get for it. Yeah. <laughs> regardless of what it costs you. Yeah, well, cost, cost plus is just leaving leaving money on the table. But it also, but it also, uh, uh, unless on the other, unless of course, your cost plus is worse than somebody else's, and uh, and so you're you're going to uh, uh, you know you have to adjust your prices to cover additional expenses, which which you know which does happen. You yeah, know, yeah. I, you know, I mean, it does happen where people say, you know, I'm sorry that uh, gasoline prices went up, and therefore. Um, uh, uh, you know the the cost of keeping my trucks, my delivery trucks running all day, or my shipments, uh, uh, you know, those trucks on the road went up, and I have to build in a price increase. Now, you know, you can you can increase your prices up until the point where nobody will pay it. Um, but uh, but there you know there are people who do that, so there is a cost plus component that goes into that. But that also is probably a price that isn't going to come down unless you've written your contracts with uh, you know with some of your uh, purchasers to say uh, I can do a fuel surcharge over a certain amount and then I have to put it back when we're done, which a lot of people do. Oh yeah, you, you, but some places have just I think some of our I won't say monopolies, I'll say cartels wherever you want to go. A place like, say, for instance, McDonald's. It's everywhere. I mean, it's really hard if you're on the road. I mean, if, if I was going to drive to, you know, Phoenix or Florida today, where I would, I don't know. But if, but if I did, I'm going to say, Kevin, somewhere along the line, I'm pulling through. I mean, unless, actually on the road when you pull off an, ex, uh, an exit, there's usually some competition. But by and large, somewhere along the line, I'm going to pull into McDonald's for, for a coffee or something. Cause, just because they're there. Now, those guys... They have to constantly be pricing it is is very on, on any given day. The, all the people that go in the McDonald's, they could raise the price by fifteen percent, and people might somehow grumble. But you don't even really remember from what the day before. It's this kind of special, that kind of special. Somewhere along the line, you're going to get the families just not going there. I mean, you know, the the, the kids' meals and a. Quarter pound right, even if you're traveling cross yeah. country, you're going to start packing the yeah. uh, uh, packing the meals. You can't you can't you can't walk in there and have lunch for for your wife and your two kids that are age eight and walk out of there for like fifty bucks or something. I mean, you, you just can't do it. Or most people can't. Uh, so there there is there is a limit, but on on the first day, what you just said is actually very very bright, Kevin. Is in the first day, you're going to jump people. Now the question is, are they going to come back? Are you going to lose people along the way? But the real key is. If I raise my prices, fifteen percent, and I drop, you know, ten uh, percent in volume, well, guess what? I might be able to lay somebody off, right? I might actually, I might really work. This might really work for me. Oh yeah, the financial model can yeah. look really, really good for you. But uh, but if you get too far until ahead, until it, yeah. until it doesn't, until your volume shrinks so much that uh, you don't have a business anymore, or uh, you, you can't be. But in, or you in, can't cover your fixed costs is basically the or, but Or in America, the way our system is designed is if you do that, if you start, you know, if you raise the price of burgers, 
there's actually a, a model on this, um, and we studied this in, uh, I think more was at Notre Dame than at University of Chicago. There's a, there's a model on this. If you, if you say, invent uh, well, something from out of the past, if you invent the hula hoop, and, and you've got a factory, and all of a sudden you're producing hula hoops, and I remember those things were. I think they, I don't know if they had a patent on those. I don't think they did, but say they didn't. And it costs you, now that you're all done with the, with the research and building the place and everything, if it costs you two bucks for a hula hoop and you sell it for four or five, all right, now somebody's going to look at that and they're going to say, is it really worth it for me to build a plant, start producing hula hoops? Now, my plant might cost more than his plant did, and is it really worth it for me to do that and sell them at like three fifty just to undercut them? Because I know he's just going to match my price because he's just as efficient as I am. Probably you, more if he's yeah. been in business longer. But now, if I'm charging twenty bucks for the hula hoop, and you know somebody's going to take a shot at me, they're going to say, "Wait a minute, this this guy's making eighteen bucks a hula hoop. I can do this for ten. And then you get some kind of a price war. But now, but if I'm clever and I just say. I'll just take a little bit here. I, the, the price should be four. I'll charge four fifty, or or four seventy five. I get a little bit of monopoly pricing in there, but not enough to cause somebody to jump into the business. And one of the things Milton Friedman said is, if he had if he had a month off where he didn't have anything else to do, the study he would want to make, he actually thinks that you're you're almost better off with a monopoly than you are a cartel, in terms of pricing for the masses because a monopoly there's a, there's a motivation to uh, uh, to maintain some level of pricing that keeps competition out. right now he couldn't prove it but he thought that that's how it would come out if he did if he started the study without uh, you know without any prejudice he thought that's how it would come that out. that was his hypothesis his hypothesis he had not made it to a theory yet it was a hypothesis well it can be a theory whatever it is it was a hypothesis that needed to be tested Weren't you, uh, um, other kind of crazy stuff we talked about this week, weren't you, I, I was really stunned, I don't know, I guess we should know this, Kevin, but uh, when, we're, when we've been arguments, uh, discussions with my, my buddies here regarding Northwestern football and re- regarding uh, you know, whether you should, people should leave the Big Ten, not leave the Big Ten, whether it's even worth it, well, you know, we've had these discussions. It always comes down to, this overriding, it's it's the money. You're getting this much. And I know you bring in something different, <clears throat> that you're part of a conference on grants and everything else, which isn't to say that Northwestern couldn't be part of the Big Ten for all that and just not play football. I mean, it, I mean, it might have, but that's not going to that. But I was absolutely stunned because I looked at the numbers and why I picked UCLA, I don't know. Uh, I suppose the numbers have been different. It's Southern Cal, maybe. I, w- I was absolutely stunned at how much money, what the budgets are at these places, Kevin. And, and, and how the, the football revenue, if you walked into the board and say, the Big Ten contract's going to give us $25 million more a year in TV rights, I don't even know the thing you get on the agenda when, when you're talking about an $11 billion budget. Well, you're talking about the school budget, right? Yeah. Yeah, whereas generally um, they, they try to evaluate the athletics departments uh, on a standalone basis, in which case the money is substantial to their budget. Okay, but I'm, I'm saying as, as a <clears throat> the idea that, a, that a if, if everybody else in the in you know if every other department in the school could come up with an extra twenty five million a year, that it'd probably be a big deal. Well, I mean, I, I get it, but what I'm saying is, it, in terms of I mean, the, the 
the implication I was getting for some of my argumentative uh, buddies was that if they didn't do this, somehow UCLA would be in trouble. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's almost to that extent. And I'm like, no, no, we're not. You're not even on the same planet. The football coach's salary might be in trouble, but but nothing else is. I mean, I, no, I think it's the other way, Tom. I, I don't think you're looking at it as as crisis management here. What you're looking at it is as opportunity. And so when when people and 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 they are totally driven by this. What is the oppor- opportunity that I have, and what will happen to that opportunity if I make the move, and what will happen to that opportunity if I don't make the move? Because now, you know, if you're University of California or Stanford or Washington State, they're now staring down the barrel of saying, okay, am I going to join some other conference? Which one would that be? Um, And right now, everybody's looking at them and saying, you ain't going to bring me anything. All you're going to do is dilute my dilute the shares, dilute the member shares, whereas you know you 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 can bring in U, uh, UCLA and USC and you can say that hey they're going to add you know they're going to add revenue to the uh, to the pot here, um, so uh, you know whatever whatever they bring is going to offset whatever they we have to do to share with them. So um, the point being that now you start to say is if I if I am managing to operate my athletic department as at a profit, now it's going to be at a loss. Am I going to get out of the sports business? And that's you know that's a bitter pill for a lot of these administrators to swallow. Or am I going to just downshift it so much um, that we don't have any relevance? And that's going to be a bitter pill for them to swallow. Should, is it a pill they should swallow? And yeah, <laughs> if you're Washington State. How much how much Washington State sports do you consume, Tom? <laughs> well, I mean, I, it, I guess the, as usual, these discussions, which I which I think is a is a positive, Kevin, we're at, we're on we're on two different levels. I'm not saying which one is which one is superior or inferior, but you're on the level if you're looking at the athletic department and budget, and this takes a much bigger percentage of people's minds, especially males, uh, than maybe it should. Okay, but that's that's another argument. If you look at this, yeah, I mean, is, is if UCLA doesn't make the move to the Big Ten, where are they? Is, is it a problem? Yeah, it, yes, it's a problem. But I'm saying in terms of whether anybody even cares if there's a football program or something, I mean, in terms of money, it's like a half of 1% of, of the of the school's stuff. Was, I mean, so I'm saying it's really two different discussions. I mean, I mean, if, if we're going to have to, oh yeah, and there's there's a lot of dimensions to it that are you know that uh, that you can have, you know, about you know what does it do to um, student life? What does it do to some of those things? And and honestly, I again, I don't, I don't, I think it's overvalued. Uh, a lot of those kind uh, kinds of things. But what is you know what it really gets down to um, is you know is it is it going to be is it going to bring net positive revenue or net negative revenue to the uh, uh, to the school? I guess with the part and, that I'm fighting about here, even though it doesn't seem like I am, the part about the revenue is how much are we going to prostate ourselves for this revenue? I mean, at some point, are, 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 are we going to have people playing? Are we are we going to have naked cheerleaders? Are we going to be Ooh. have our guys? You know, <laughs> okay. I mean, where, where, I mean, where are we going? Well, see, now saying. there, that's when you can say we bring some extra revenue to the, <laughs> to yeah. the conference. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, do we, do we really want our, our fans to have to fly to uh, 
you know, Penn State to see our team play? What, what about the students? I mean, they used to be able to go watch the Southern Cal game, maybe even drive to Oregon. I mean, we, I mean where, where are we with this? I mean, there, I mean, at some point, it's becoming this this professional sponsored program that, ba- that basically Rick Tellender talked about 25 years ago. These are oh, now they, these are now uh, college sponsored professional teams with a morality totally different from what the university charter might say. And when, and when you look at the amount of money to you and I, it's a boatload. You look at the percentage of the school, it's not. It's all, that's my only point. Well, there, there also there's another layer of madness on that on this, and that is that, uh, um, it, oh, and I think I mentioned this on Wednesday. All you have to do is go go on the website, and and you know everybody's website uh, for their athletics has a uh, a directory of all of the uh, athletic department personnel. And you would be amazed at the bloat, the number of people who have <clears throat> associate after athletic director titles, assistant athletic director, senior associate assistant athletic director titles. These are all over the place. These are, you know, when if, if you're somebody like me who has spent a long time looking at how organizations structure themselves and, uh, and finding um, you know, finding inefficiencies. This is the first thing you see is, you know, how many people are, are walking around with these uh, spiffy titles and probably not doing a damn thing um, and or, or not adding any value for sure. That, you know, if you really, if you're really, really worried about, uh, um, about your athletics, Revenue. It's. It might be a good idea to take a look at the cost side of the equation. Well, I mean, look and, at the and they and they just don't. <clears throat> but it's not. It's not just that, Kevin. We got to go to break here. But when I years ago, I actually made a presentation Notre Dame to manage some money from them. They, of course, were, were real happy to see me. What a bunch of whatever. <laughs> and it turns out the, the 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 business of getting people's money is such a big business. That the guy who ran that was the highest-paid person on, on on campus, even more than a coach. And when I had the meeting, there was like five guys in the room, and there's me. I'm like, we really need five idiots in here. I mean, what what are we doing? They have nothing else to do, Kevin. But they're all on payroll. I mean, the the endowment department is is huge. Well, something else to realize about colleges in general: everything's a committee. So yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's just the way it is. SP futures down seventy-five cents. Nasdaq futures down fourteen. So not much happening here. We'll go through the stuff here in a minute. And then we got the PPI number coming out at 7.30, so nothing just yet. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. 
Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Blowing up a stocks and jocks. I'm Tomorrow Andrew on the board. SP futures down one. Is a futures down fifteen. Uh, again, yesterday was a wild day. Ended up like almost on the flat line, but it was up down all over. You could have. Could have made money upside, money on the downside. You could have done all kinds of stuff yesterday, uh, provided you, <laughs> at some point, you sold out. Uh, but the big stocks were the ones that were down. The Nvidia's of the world, those kinds of places, get a little bit of a rotation on that. Dow's up, only up two points. Or in the Dow, I see nothing moving. Biggest mover is Microsoft down 83 cents. Nothing's moving. Or ah, wait a minute, Caterpillar down 142. They were had a huge move up with their earnings uh, last couple of weeks, so they're not hurting at that price. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX down 75. It's 0.5 percent. FTSE down 81. That's full 1 percent. Kakaron down 58.8 percent. European markets lower. UBS ends Credit Suisse protection measures. Shares up 4 percent. Whatever that means. Uh, not sure what that means. Over in Asia, we've got the Nikkei up 269.8 percent. Hang Seng down 173.9 percent. Hanging above 19,000. 19,075. Shanghai. Wow. On 65 points, that's a full 2%. Uh, U.S. inflation cools more than expected. I'm not so sure where that, what that has to do with those guys over there. Not, not sure, sure, I believe the number's here. Uh, yesterday, like I said, the Dow was up 52, S&P up 1, NASDAQ up 15 after being way higher in the morning when we were doing the show. Uh, bonds up 2 basis points, 4.10, so well above that 4% number. Uh, the Bund up 6 basis points, 2.58. Japan up 2 at 0.59. We've got oil. Uh, continuing its creep up here, up 42 cents, 83.24. Rent up 45 cents, 86.85. Natural gas up 5 cents, 281. Arab a penny back to 292, which is kind of the recent high. It had gone all the way back down to about 277, but now it's back up 15 cents. We've got gold up a buck 10, 19.50 exactly. Silver down 5 cents, 22.77. Copper down 5 cents, 371. We've got Bitcoin. Up four bucks, twenty-nine thousand three nine. It's been very quiet the last couple of weeks, but in between this twenty-nine and twenty-nine five. Uh, and we have the U.S. dollar um, up to, down just a little bit. The euro, the euro is a one on net, call it one ten, one point one zero, and the pound is one point two seven. So it's been right in this range now for quite a while, even though we have had some movements day to day. Andrew, what do you got for us, Trevi? Weather sports. All right, it is uh, six forty here in Chicago. Uh, starting off with some sports, I will say, Tom, our uh, favorite teams don't seem to have played yesterday. Is there anything uh, anything I missed? To no, they were everybody a day off. Okay, okay then. Well, then moving right into weather, 
Uh, it's currently 70 degrees here in Chicago, mostly sunny skies. Gonna have a high of 83 today and a slight chance of rain, about 22% at most, and that'll be around 4 p.m. Over in Phoenix, they're currently at 87 degrees. They got clear skies. They're gonna have a high of 106, and that's gonna hit around 5 p.m. Now, finally, for Chicago traffic, uh, roads are looking pretty clear today. No major accident. Oh, excuse me. One major accident to report. This is on the inbound Eisenhower, uh, pretty far out near First Avenue. Looks like a multiple vehicle accident, uh, and that has uh, delays up to five minutes, so could be a lot worse. Otherwise, the only red to note is on the inbound Kennedy, uh, just near Irving Park Road to about, uh, let's see, to about Kedzie Avenue. Other than that, looks pretty uh, business as usual today. Well, Friday's the new, um, almost Saturday. Everybody's, Thursday's the Friday. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, With what, that, back to you. Um, we have, uh, so we'll see what on this PPI number. With the PPI, you've got to be careful on which which part of the service and which is goods. Um, Kevin, what did you make of uh, Lou's talk on the uh, AI yesterday? I mean, I, I, I see that as just somewhat of a progression I don't see it as an instant game changer. I mean, it's you. Well, it's a progression, but some things, some progressions are very quick. So, yeah, if you just need someone to write you a legal document, I mean, why, why would you, if, if you, if you can have AI draw up a will for you, and, and uh, I mean, you already have applications online where you can go, that it, it'll prompt you with a few questions and draft a will. Um, so why? Couldn't you just say, "Hey AI, here's the special things I want to do. Draw me a will." If you were, uh, you know, if you were doing some basic pleadings, you need legal research, anything like that. It, you know, you can call it AI, or you can just call it, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, the uh, computer's ability to pull together a lot of research. But it's it becomes AI when it starts recommending a course of action. That's applying some intelligence to that, and and that intelligence could also be based on what has happened in the past when people have taken that course of action. So yeah, I could see that happening uh, real quickly because e even if even if at the end you were going to have an attorney review it um, uh, just to, to make sure it was okay, uh, how many how many billable hours are you saving by having an AI do it? Heck, I, I know um, uh, I know places where they're having uh, a, uh, AI you know, like even, even ChatGPT, write code for them. Um, my next door neighbor, who he, you know, he's he's a work from home, um, and uh, he says at his company they'll have AI write their code. Then he goes through, he'll do you know a quick test of it, and it's going to need some tweaking, and he'll review it and code it up. But it is so much faster and more efficient. And I think you're going to see that in a lot of areas where uh, um, where it starts to just do a lot of the grunt work that we used to pay pretty high billable hours to well, get. I guess the thing, um, and, I'm, and I'm certainly not you know, arguing against progress here, but uh, in terms of legal stuff that people do, and I don't know if, if anybody, listeners, are going to use some of these things, and I, you know, I, I fortunately don't have a whole lot of legal stuff I do other than the thing you have to do for the firm. Uh, this has been, this bifurcation of the, of the legal thing has been happening for a long time here in these big cities, Kevin. I mean, legal Zoom. I mean, if you don't, if you have a problem with like a water bill or something, and you go to some attorney and start paying five hundred dollars an hour, you're out of your friggin' mind. These guys will do this for you in a second. Or how many? Uh, you you can buy a, a, an apartment lease in Chicago in the dime store. Dime store. In the, in the, showing my age. 
I mean, it's, this 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 chipping away at what these guys charge a fortune to do. I mean, I, I Audrey had a, a friend who <laughs> talk about Chicago. Somehow or another, she uh, had a a lot or two in some horrible neighborhood, right? That she. I mean, she, I mean, she didn't want the lot. So I don't know if it was willed to her or what happened, but somebody must have wanted her to sell it to her them for like nothing. So there's a, there's a, an ordinance that says you have to cut like the weeds down on your lot. So the same uh, lady cop would give her a ticket every month for not cutting. Now there's no way on earth this lady was taking her lawnmower into this god awful neighborhood and like mowing the grass. It was just a scam, and but she couldn't sell the property because there was a an outstanding water bill that had been filed as a lien. There had never been a house there, yet there was a lien on it from somebody. It was a water bill. She paid some attorney lady, I don't know how long, how much for a couple of years, couldn't get it done, couldn't get it done. She went to like legal Zoom and they fixed it in two days. For, they charged her like two hundred bucks. I mean, this has been. The sure. So it's a, it, so you're talking the next step. In, yeah. Now it's the evolution. ongoing. Yeah, ongoing. And 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 the the difference is between just creating documents and applying some judgment to the documents. That's the next step of getting the computers to do that. But it's but it's 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 what are you, what are you paying for? You're you're not. I mean, we could find an, an out of work attorney, and for for you know for buying him beers one night, he'll put a document together for us. I mean, and it's probably going to be a, as good as somebody else. I mean, I mean, a lot of times I think, you know, in my business, it's all you, all it is is buying and selling stuff, Kevin. So this this is ground India. I wouldn't I wouldn't expect or or wish this on a regular person. What are you paying for? You're not paying for the friggin' document. You're paying for the name of the law firm and you're paying for their insurance. You don't care. It doesn't matter who the guy is or the girl is. That's what you're okay. paying for. So how much? So how much are you paying for that versus how much you're paying for uh, uh, for the automated version of it? Well, but I'm saying the idea you, you can you can insure you can buy insurance for damn near anything. No, so, you can't. No, you can't. You, know. you can't. You're not gonna be able to buy that kind of. But I mean, if you that that's why the CBOE would want Schiff Harden to, to sign off on some some big issue. That's why you want you know uh, some some big firm doing your. Uh, if, if you're doing even even your compensation stuff, or if you fire somebody, you got to hire some consultant to tell you how to do. It. You're, you're not you're not hiring the person because of his knowledge. We all we all can fire somebody. It's a question of the, you know, the insurance. If you did it wrong, are they on the hook? Or you you, you know, I mean you know this. You're, you've been in management the whole time. You're, you're, why do you why do you guys get some kid from Harvard instead of some kid from John Marshall? The kid from John Marshall could be twice as smart, but you can bill out the Harvard kid at six hundred dollars an hour if Day shows up. You can't do it with the John Marshall kid. Right, it has nothing to do with the document itself. Well, so uh, so people get tired of paying the six hundred dollars an hour, and uh, they're saying, "Okay, I am willing." Now I'm making a risk decision. Um, you know, that some something that doesn't cost me six hundred dollars an hour, but maybe cost me six hundred dollars total for the tab, or maybe cost me two hundred dollars total for the tab. You know, okay, how much risk am I willing to take? Or maybe my risk is. Let this do all the grunt work, and then I'll have the $600 attorney, uh, an hour attorney, spend one hour. I'll buy one hour of his time to review the document. Um, you know, I, I don't care. It, it doesn't matter, Tom. It's, you know, the, the point is that uh, it's, 
again, I, I'm hesitant to call some things AI because it isn't yeah. really about learning. Well, that's why, that's why about, I asked you. It's yeah. about applying. But it, it is saying let's do the grunt work. Um, you know, let's let's let somebody do the grunt work instead of paying a, uh, a lot of money for, or let's let the computer do the grunt work instead of paying a lot of money for an individual to do it. That's all that's really happening there, and it's you know, but is but I think Lou's right. That's you know, you get enough of that, and it's going to start putting yep. attorneys out of work because we don't need the the junior level attorneys. And if you're, you know, if if, if you're uh, coming out of law school and you can't work in law. Um, people are going to stop going to law school. You're going to start seeing, uh, you know, fewer attorneys, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Well, the, I guess I, I'm, I'm always struggling to get my thoughts in line enough to where people know what the hell I'm talking about, or even when I know what I'm talking about. I guess the thing I was um, ar- arguing a little bit with Lou about is, you know, what's what's the bottom line? Is always my stuff. I mean, for instance, uh, the trademark uh, stocks and jacks. It's been after 10 years, we had to redo it. And we got, I got a guy who does a great job. And it was, you know, whatever, it was 1500 bucks or something to redo it. Maybe it was two grand, something like that. So uh, now, now 10 years from now, with AI, it's going to be easier for this dude to do it, probably. Even though, I mean, I'm sure he knows it backwards and forwards. Am I going to get a bill for 600 bucks? I'm going to say no. It's still going to be two grand or more. No, or, or unless you have access to the AI engine yourself, and you'll just say, "Run me this." And, yeah, I mean, and it's, I'll, but I'm I'll, saying that I'll do the filings, and now now your tab is twenty bucks. What it comes down to, would I, would I trust myself? That, that's what it comes. Down, I mean, pe- people, it's like I don't know. I mean, I, you maybe haven't done as much of this as, as we used to in the SIBO. If you get somebody in there, even if you know Goldman Sachs isn't going to do as good a job as somebody else, like, like hiring a. Uh, if you're going to go get an executive, you're going to find the most exec- most expensive firm there is to do the search for you. Not because you think they're the best, but because you don't want to make the decision. You want to cover your ass and say, I hired the best person. What else could I do? See, and in yeah. my world, that's not how you deal with contracts anyway. Well, but yeah, yes, you have. I've always had the attorney review it, but I read every damn line of yes, every contract for my area. Um, and and there are four simple words that uh, come into play for that because all the vendors give you their boilerplate contract, which favors them. And so the four simple words are, "I'm not doing that." Yeah. Well, <laughs> and you and you have to know that. Now, is that is that going to be part of a contract review? It's not when the attorneys do it because the attorneys don't know my business whether it was IT whether it was operations whether it was you know working with third parties uh, uh, whatever it was you'd get the contract review from the attorneys because they would be looking for any legal issues or company preferences for how things are handled but they can't possibly know my part of the business so I always did that part of the review myself um, and in fact I usually did it before I sent it for legal review uh, because then I could have them just incorporate all the changes. You do realize that if this was ever played back you just you just torpedoed yourself from any board spot ever. Did well you, too bad. That you actually said you're gonna read everything? Go God. Yeah. It, when it, if there's a contract, every single word, every single word. Kevin O'Neill, it, it is it is the longest, most tedious process. It drives you nuts. And for someone like me who it is isn't inclined to get into the weeds, it might take me two hours of 
dawdling and screwing around with any other possible excuse to get started but once I go in I won't come up for air and I have been told that doing a contract with me is akin to a colonoscopy uh, I'm going to say if I had AI working right now and I could access every chairman's office I would give them a choice do we either want a Kevin O'Neill doll with a, a voodoo pin stuck in it or we want a picture with an X through it one of those things is going in that office <laughs> Which, nobody, <laughs> nobody wants Kevin O'Neill doll <laughs> with, with, with a big pin right there. Right there. Like, was the last time you saw one of those? I, 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 last time I was in New Orleans, I went by a there was a voodoo shop. We walked by walking these dogs. I didn't go in, but the place looked pretty creepy. They only those voodoo. So I, what? Uh, at the end of the day, what happens to this, the Stanfords? Where, where do you think Washington State lands in the? In the uh, uh, you know the, the the sort of regionally logical place is uh, the Mountain West but again you know the Mountain West you know they they get X dollars coming in and adding Washington State isn't going to get them X plus so um, uh, you know you you have to wonder what's in it for what's in it for the Mountain West Conference what level Um, what level are those guys I mean are are they are they as contributory as say Nebraska probably not I don't know I mean how, how how would you even know I guess I don't even know no, because the in in their own state, the the school that everybody follows is Wa- University of Washington. But Iowa, now what is the? I'm asking this because I have no freaking idea. What is the difference in revenue size, fan fandom, whatever it is between Iowa and Iowa State? I mean, Iowa State still is. It, you know, Iowa I, State I, has its hardcore, but Iowa is a um, um, is the big dog in that state. So are we talking. Thirty thousand more people at ten dollars or twenty dollars more a ticket than Iowa State. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to go do. I'd have to go pull up the average attendance. Because um, the one is in the Big Ten. How how, how big is is this, this Big Twelve? Kind of came out of nowhere here. They they, 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 they were they rallied. Were, they they were close to death. I was gonna, uh, I was going to say out of, of the one conference that was going to fold, it was going to be those guys, not the Pac Ten. Yeah, it was, and it wasn't going to be the Pac Ten. It was going to be them. I mean, just just from an intrigue point of view, this is really interesting. <laughs> Look, ultimately, Tom, I, I I can't imagine this coming out any other way than uh, than all of the that all of football becomes its own entity, um, all of the big school football becomes its own entity, and then we'll they'll figure out how to organize conferences for all the other sports. Um, because it, it is just not sustainable to have all of these other people. You know, football is one thing to you know once a week. If you're going on the road. Um, to the you know the extra cost and the extra trouble to pack yourself up uh, and take everything you have and your whole team and all your staff and all those people and to go once a week and get on a, a plane and fly somewhere the extra cost to do that um, from Washington to Los Angeles versus Washington to I you know uh, Iowa New Jersey or Iowa or someplace not that much but this idea that basketball they play uh, conference season gets to be twice a week a week so you're going to be coming and going a lot or the idea that then you start getting into all the non-revenue sports um you know what are you going to do with your softball team what are you going to do with your soccer team how often are they going to travel i mean it it just gets to be unmanageable uh for the rest of them and so i i think at some point there is going to be some rationality applied here um but it is going to require um that they do something completely different with football than they do with all. Football is going to be the the NFL junior. 
it is going to be NFL Junior. The only thing is, you know, minor league sports are more or less popular elsewhere. Professional minor league sports are more and less popular in different parts of the country and different franchises. But by and large, you're not going to get a lot of people uh, to be hardcore fans of minor league sports. Well, just doesn't happen. So the the big tie-in to you know state you and alma mater and all of that kind of stuff uh you know those emotional ties are what makes this work and so they aren't going to want to let go of that otherwise they're just going to turn themselves into uh, a minor league um, operation that is no different than the um uh, you know the Myrtle Beach uh, Pelicans (laughs) well but it's yeah the other uh, you do have a, a school name and you have that, but you also, I think, what they're counting on, and every time we, we count on is gambling. Uh, you know, it's four times in my lifetime that gambling is going to save us. And when I first moved into the the hood I live, a triple tap had like five TVs, and you go on a Sunday, and there'd be five guys sitting at some tables staring at the Seattle God knows who game, and they're saying, "Who cares about that game?" Until you realize they all got money on it. They all got money rolling on it. So, yeah. so yeah, the, but who, who's going to follow 60, 60 more? Yeah, I mean it's Schools. but some you some know. people are, are are really into this. I mean, it, I mean, I'm not saying it's 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 not saving us. That part I get. Uh, you know, it, it it's a zero sum game for people. I mean, they think they're going to win, but by and large, ten percent is lost every time somebody makes a bet, right? So I mean, it's well, it's it's uh, I mean, it, it's it's that's the odds, eleven to ten, right? Yeah. So I mean, every time. Yeah, there's always going to yeah, be the big. So. Yeah, there's always <laughs> going to be the big. So. I mean, I, I I guess you could have people that that can't wait to bet on a, a Washington State Iowa game. I mean, a Washington Iowa game, maybe. I mean, other than the fandom, but yeah, it, it's going to have to somewhat play out unless they have some sort of intricate intelligence where they say, okay, it ends up being sort of like hockey, uh, Kevin, where there'll be if if the UCLA basketball team comes to Illinois, it's also going to be the gymnast weekend, the wrestling weekend. And it's going to be all UCLA. Yeah, maybe they can double up on some of the and all this stuff. And it is. I mean, it's not just going to be the men's basketball; it's going to be the women's basketball, and, and it's going to be the the uh, soccer team, and it's going to be the wrestling team, and the swim team all on the same plane. I mean, you could like you, the Olympic Village. Yeah, the, uh, the sex that will be had on those road trips will be amazing. Well, are, um, are you going to? Hey, free- I, I want to switch real quickly. I, I just want to follow up on a couple of things from your discussion with Lou yesterday before you kick me out of here, and it's Carl's time. Um, one thing is, you, you talked some about you know people coming for specific schools, coming back to school for to get specific skills, um, and and are those the investments that you really want to make? You know that are going to are they going to be long term? Um, is the, is this long term good if you learn to weld or you learn? And and uh, I want to emphasize something at least that I do in every class, and and it doesn't matter what specific skill we're talking about that there are some things that people have to learn to be successful long term no matter what and it doesn't matter what business whether they're going to get automated so it starts with being you know a pro being professional being on time every day show up on, on time every day but the ability to work in teams to deal with diversity in all dimensions so you know diversity means you know means racial and ethnic ethnic uh, um, diversity but it also means age and things like that because you can have four generations in a workplace in any time leadership skills the ability to do some research 
come up with answers, to write clearly, to present some recommendations in, in front of a group of people, to uh, understand a financial statement, uh, and you know all of the other aspects of professionalism. If they aren't part of a course that I teach, they're going to be. If they yeah, aren't built into the in, into the curriculum, I'm going to put it there because I'm not doing anybody any favors if I just say, you came in, you got your purchase, purchasing certification, and there you go, you're on your way. Um, it, it, it just, you know, it, because there are too many things, as we've been discussing, that can come along and replace you. Oh, I, I, part I, I two, don't disagree, yeah. Part, part two is you talked about the advice, and I'll leave you with this one, because you mentioned yesterday um, that the, uh, the first thing I, I texted you um, was about finding something you love to do and trying to be great at it. I think that's important. Um, you, you need to really love your work. Um, but I would also tell people to be sure that at least part of your life is about service to others, whether it's part of your work life, whether it's part of your, you know, your personal life. It doesn't matter. I think this is one of the biggest things that's missing in our society. It makes everybody me focused by not having a, fo- you know, any uh, any aspect of service to others in their lives. And I think it just changes the way you behave to others. And then the last part is don't let your friendships weather because um, lifelong friends are like the best gift you can oh, yeah. possibly have. I, I, In fact, I just had somebody reconnect with me this week um, that I used to work with, you know, back my first time I lived in Michigan, and, uh, and it's been a lot of years. So... Um, so anyway, those those are the advice that I would share uh, with well, people. Well, I would say, I, I also, I mean, I'm a real, much more so than I think anybody else on the show, I'm, I'm much more into the education like we had that seems to be more and more expensive and maybe, quote, not worth it uh, because it's too friggin' expensive. But I, I I think every single class I took, Kevin, no matter, I'm not gonna, I don't know about philosophy, uh, but anyway, Every single class I took, at some point, I'm glad I did. I mean, because uh, I mean, I, I started my my spiel yesterday about you can't count on the future now because of the way our governments and the world is behaving. You can't count on being a a shipbuilder, and all of a sudden, two years from now, you know, God help us, we get conquered by China and we don't build ships anymore. I mean, it's it's that's the way the world is. I mean. I don't know of anybody, Kevin, who loved their job more. Out of all the people, traders maybe, out of all the people who loved their job more were the people who made railroad cars at Pullman. They loved it. The idea that a, a bunch of steel would come in the door and, and six months later some gorgeous railroad car to go out the other end, they, 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 it was like they died and went to heaven. I did that. I was part of that. And all of a sudden, it's gone. You know, so so you, you, have to, you, you have to be careful that you have to be what's the word you got to be light on your feet you know yeah you have to be flexible you have to be able to flex into something new um and and so it it is it is the the part about finding things that you love is what do you love to do do you love making pullman cars or do you love the skills that you apply to making pullman right but we went but we went through a a decade or two we didn't make anything but i guess you could go and work for boeing if you went to McDonald Douglas, you'd be a bleep out of luck there, right? Yeah, well, and and uh, on the other hand, though, if you can find something you love to do and you can work at that, um, you and you're really good at it, you, the money will take care of itself. Oh, I, I would agree. Uh, S&P futures down 75 cents. Nasdaq futures down 17. We're in this holding pattern before the PPI 
What do you say we do a, a ridiculously short break and we'll get Carl on? This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Hello, Pick Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howe. Andrew on the board. SP Futures down two. NASDAQ Futures down 22. Carl, I understand that you were... Uh, you're getting a big chunk of this carbon dioxide vacuum cleaner production going on in Texas. Is that true? <laughs> you know, I, you you want to talk about one of the stupidest things I've ever heard of. Uh, this would probably be pretty far up the list. Um, I rem- there was some thing going to happen here in Illinois. Uh, you, you probably know more about this than me. For those that don't know, Illinois has more coal than any other place on earth right uh, pretty much but it's am i doing this right it's bituminous coal it's a high sulfur stuff that nobody wants to use right well uh, but that's only because we're stupid because i have uh, oh 15 years ago uh, i put forward how we use that without uh, creating acid rain and all the other evil things that come with it uh, it's not very hard we turn it into gasoline diesel fuel and in fact, the Germans were the ones who get credit for having figured this out because without it, Hitler would not have had a World War II because guess what you need in order yeah. to prosecute a ground war? You have to have fuel for your tanks and your planes. And yeah. And if you don't have that, you can't fight. So uh, he did. And uh, the process is called Fischer Tropsch. Uh, it's basically a catalytic cracking process. You know, gasoline, diesel fuel are just carbon, uh, they're hydrocarbons carbon and hydrogen you can assemble that chain of hydrogen and carbons uh, chemically you have to put energy in to do it from coal well guess what coal is just carbon and hydrogen is all over the place because you know it's the it's in water for long all sorts of other things no shortage no problem um, and so the Germans use this to get their fuel to run their war machine because they had very little oil so they didn't, can't, uh, can't re- didn't south africa do the same thing when they had the embargo all the years they were uh, well yeah there, there's there this has been commercially done as well at scale a company called sas oil in south africa uh, essentially produced all of their diesel requirement using it uh, this is not a pie in the sky technology at all now 
that doesn't mean it's necessarily the cheapest answer to how to get these fuels. It may or may not be at any point in time. But we certainly can produce as much of as we and, and oh, by the way, we have, uh, so at, at assuming a 1% per year population gain for the United States, compounded, okay, which you ought to take into account, right? You, yeah. no, nobody says over you know, a long period of time that you should assume the population will remain stable. We're not going to add any people. Yeah, th- that's government nonsense that we do all the time. Oh, there's no inflation because, you know, yeah, okay. Um, we have conservatively 500 years worth of coal in terms of being able to produce all of our combustion fuel requirement doing this. Well, 500 years worth. And that assumes a 1% population escalation well, per year. Carl, what happened to the... Uh, was some subsidy, of course, but somebody was going was gonna to put a, a coal plant in central Illinois with the idea that you were going to uh, bury the sulfur dioxide, whatever comes off. And the thing got to the point where they were breaking ground, and then it just blew up. I mean, do you have any idea what happened there? I mean, is that, was no, that technology I, I, getting it? Probably environmental permit. You know, it, this is the the problem with doing the right sort of thing with this is that you need to have you need to have the energy to drive the process. Now, the the you know the simple answer is you burn some of the coal, right? Yeah. Um, that's the wrong answer, and the reason it's the wrong answer is that uh, and, and what has always set everybody off about coal in general is is really two things. One is that the high sulfur stuff. Uh, produces sulfuric acid in the atmosphere because sulfur, uh, well, sulfuric acid is H2SO4. Okay. So you have hydrogen, you have oxygen, that's water, and then you add sulfur under high temperature and you get a some component of, you know, some piece of that ends up as sulfuric acid. Well, that's acid rain, okay, yep. which everybody has screamed about forever. All right. So we don't want to do that. That's bad for the environment. Um, but the other thing that you, that you have that, that is a serious problem is that as a trace element within coal, all coal, is thorium. Thorium is a metal. Uh, it is very easily chemically separated for that reason. It's a whole lot heavier than the coal is, so it's very easy to chemically separate. But the reason thorium is bad news in coal is that it is a weak alpha emitter. It emits alpha radiation. Alpha radiation, if inhaled, if on your skin, you can grab a, a bundle of this stuff. It doesn't do anything to you at all because your skin blocks it. It's, it's, it has, it, it's, it's a large particle. Alpha is basically a helium nucleus. Um, so it's very large as radiation goes. Uh, cannot go through intact skin. However, if you inhale it, it causes lung cancer. So this is where all the lung cancer from coal use comes from. All of it. Really? Okay. Yeah, literally all of it. Okay. Now, we can chemically separate out the thorium from the coal because it's it's very easy. It's it's a metal and it's extremely heavy compared to carbon. The thorium is a very interesting substance because the fact that it is a weak alpha emitter also is part of its uh, nuclear properties. It happens to be fertile, which means it can be bred into burnable nuclear fuel. It is a nuclear fuel. Really? And in the 1950s and 60s, in Oak Ridge, we ran a, uh, a experimental, at the time, uh, 
reactor that used it as a fuel that used the that used thorium in your in a uranium blend uh, you have to use it's it's fertile it's not fissile so you have to have uranium or plutonium in order to start the reactor in order to get the reaction going and start breeding the fuel uh, but we ran one that, that dissolved the fuel in a fluoride salt uh, and used that as its primary coolant uh, at Oak Ridge. It ran for four years at full power. It is It runs at room temperature, and on the weekends, uh, they just turned the power off and went home. There, It doesn't require active cooling. It's, you know, I mean, there's, there's no such thing as completely safe, okay? I mean, you know, obviously, if there's a leak and the coolant gets out, uh, you know, you've now got a mess, right? Because it's highly radioactive. Uh, however, it burns up its own radioactive isotopes, so it produces much less high-level radioactive waste than any of the current units that we use. And the most important element of this is that it runs at a very high temperature compared to the current reactors we use, and that temperature happens to be very well matched to running the coal through fissure troughs directly without making electricity first. So we now have a closed fuel cycle we have all the fuel we need for this thing because, as it turns out, there's 13 times as much energy in coal in the form of that thorium as you get from burning the coal. In other words, we're stupid to burn it. We ought to extract the thorium, use that as nuclear fuel, and then turn the coal into synthetic diesel and gasoline. Well, is there any difference in the thorium content between the Illinois coal and the Wyoming coal? I'm sure there is some difference, but, it's, but it, is a, it is a trace... It's considered a contaminant, okay? But it's but part of how it ends up, the, the whole reason you end up with it in the coal is because coal is just compacted biological mass, okay, from plants. Yeah. All right? And, and this gets taken up just like anything else in the environment and ends up in the, you know, in the tree, <laughs> okay? Yeah. I mean, that's why it's there. And so it is present in all coal deposits, it's extractable, and, it, and there is more energy, a lot more energy, available from that thorium than you could get by just burning the fuel. So you're out of your mind. I mean, what we do, I mean, we didn't know this when we started burning coal. Of course, you know, I mean, there, was, there were tunnels under the city of Chicago. That's, that's what they used them for, was to deliver the coal to the buildings. Oh, yeah. All right, and we didn't know all this at that time. Well, now we do know this, and we're out of our mind to be arguing over this whole thing with carbon. Carbon is plant food. It is not a pollutant. I understand that people want to go off on a, this, you know, this whole scream fest about it. it it's BS. And all of the, the so-called greener energy sources are not sources. Okay? It, I mean, if you look at the total, the total energy input required to produce a solar panel, as an example, uh, everybody has been lying about this. They've gotten caught, but nobody will bring this forward in the in the government area of regulation. They uh, they in order to make solar panels, you have to have highly pure silicon. That has to be refined because it doesn't come, I mean, you know, you start with sand, but that that's extremely impure. You you have to have extraordinarily pure silicon, and then you have to dope it with rare earth metals in order to get it to behave in that way, where it releases electricity when it's struck by photons. Okay, well that you know that's what a solar cell does. It takes a great deal of energy to do this to make this silicon, and 
guess where they're doing all of this refining? They're doing it over in China. And guess what they're using to in order to do the refining? Well, they're burning coal to do it. Right. Why? Because there is no other economical alternative to do it. If you were to do it using some other source of power, uh, first off, you couldn't use electricity to do it because the laws of thermodynamics say you can't ever break even and you can't win. So therefore, you couldn't possibly drive the reaction using the energy from the product. The only way okay. you could uh, you could do it in a, on a cost basis, which is kind of screwy, is um, we well, live in Chicago. When we used to have we, when there were a lot of the nukes around here, and they're, they're pretty much all still running, except you know, well, the one up on the lake isn't. And but there was so much power there that you couldn't shut off. You could almost do it at night. And because you, you had nowhere else to go with it, it's, it, I use the word, it's almost free. You know? and that's why that, the whole, the whole uh, what was the steel company right by me? Uh, they just moved to the south side. What the hell's the name of the place? They were there forever. Finkels. Okay. They, they, all their blast furnaces were electric, and they, and, they, and they did them at night. Yeah. Because well, yeah, because the power is dirt cheap. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely uh, dirt cheap. It's like the guys... Right, but, that's, but see, that's the thing, is that, you know... I mean, it's one of the things that used to torque me off like no end was that, you know, running an internet company, uh, you know, you have to use the power now all the time because your computers have to run all the time. Right. And your air conditioner in the, in the room, in the computer room, has to run all the time. My joke always used to be that you never pay the power bill. You, you always pay double the power bill. First, you have to pay the power bill to run the computer. Then you have to pay the power bill again to get the heat out of the room so the computer doesn't melt. And, and there's no way around this. Well, in the middle of the night, uh, the power is extremely cheap. During the middle of the day, you get hit with what's called a demand charge. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and the power ain't cheap. <laughs> okay. We were, uh, just to give you some crazy stories, I mean, uh, uh, John, my buddy, uh, John Nigerian, Dr. J, and he gets us a, a, a speaking-slash-consulting tour over in Europe, right, at two banks. Right. So... The one, the first bank paid us, and the second bank paid us our, our expenses back and forth. So, and we wanted to meet some new people. So we went to Credit and Stalt in Vienna, and I'll tell that story. It was an interesting place. Uh, but then we we ended up at uh, the the dear departed Dresdner Bank, and nobody nobody had money or prestige like a European banker, especially in Germany, right? Well, we get into the trading room, and I'm looking at it, going, God, this looks pretty weird. Every monitor, the, the, whoever ran the place, was appalled. If like you look in my office and you see the what you, the monitors like sticking up out of the desk, you, you couldn't do that. That that looked that looked coarse bleak. We weren't going to do that. So we built these big desk things with the monitors and everything are in the desk. So the room looked pristine because people sat down and all your monitors were in front of you, but they were all in the they were all in the desk in yeah, the desk. Yeah. But I mean, you know, they were on kind of an angle on the back, so I mean, it wasn't like they were you're staring down at them like it's a you know video poker game. It was it was pretty darn neat. Well, there was so much heat and all this stuff because you couldn't see anything. But they actually had to run cold water pipes underneath underneath the desk <laughs> to keep the roof like blow it up. Every every person, if you sat down, and this is 1990, was uh, it was uh, it was fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars for a spot. For somebody to sit. Well, well, yeah, but remember, all right. So these, you know, these were CRTs, right? Yeah. 
Um, I mean, you know, I remember this too. It's it's actually kind of amusing because my daughter works from home, um, and and so do I. And so there's there's actually somewhat of a fight in bedrooms and other rooms within a house generally because uh, the HVAC is never engineered for continuous heating loads like a fairly decent computer uh, and and used to be the monitors. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But now not so much. I mean, I I just upgraded from a four way stack of twenty two inch monitors to a really nice Dell Ultra Wide, which I like a great deal. Uh, but that thing draws you know, 15 watts or something like that when it's running. The, the computer, on the other hand, if I'm doing some, you know, some graphics work or some video work, oh boy, that thing, you know, it's four or five hundred watts. Really, I didn't think they drew that much. I, I, I don't know. Well, don't they know. can. It depends depends on the machine and what you've got in there. Okay, but even the the little thin client desktop computers that you know could can attach to the back of your monitor because they're you know they'll fit on the Visa bracket or whatever. Uh, even those. I, I mean, there there is a fair amount of, of power that gets drawn there. Now, I I have some sort of specialized stuff that I use for internet firewall gateways and and such that is fanless, and and they they draw almost nothing. But the you know the whole thing about that is that, and I, and I give away the software load that I use on them. Anybody can get it. They just have to send me an SD card, and I'll you know load it up and send it to you. Because um, there's nothing proprietary about it. It's just my configuration of open source stuff. Uh, but the the reason I do that is because you're going to stick one of those things in an equipment closet somewhere where it has no ventilation, and if you try to put a regular computer in there, you're going to have a heat problem. Okay, what what are those? Talk about a dumb question. What are those big, huge, twenty five year ago big, massive TVs? I, there were a couple in my in my neighborhood. Oh, I had I they had one in, of those. But they were they were in, they were like in. Uh, Chief, Chief, it was a cabinet. Yeah, but you could damn near you could damn near watch the thing in a high rise, like four blocks away. I mean, it was so powerful. Oh yeah, no, I I had I had one of the first high definition projection televisions when I lived in Chicago. And it was how heavy was was that thing? Oh, good God! Yeah, you needed two dudes to move it. Okay, I mean, it was you know it had casters on it, but if you actually needed to pick it up, oh oh boy, yeah. Um, you know, but but no, I mean that thing drew it. It's I mean it had three CRT guns in the bottom of it. Okay, so I mean the power it, it drew three times as much power as a typical television set. So what was it? I mean, how, how did you just how did you just do that from a fifteen amp circuit? You almost like you need a twenty amp for the darn oh, thing. Oh no no no, it'd run on a fifteen amp circuit, but it but it would use uh, you know. I mean, 15 amps is that's 1500 watts. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. You know, yeah. That's a that's a hair dryer, okay? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, and yeah, it made heat like a hair dryer too. Pretty much did, yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, what do you make of the? We had the CPI yesterday. We got the PPI today. Uh, wow. We're not getting. I don't think we're getting a whole lot of truth and lending out of these guys. But uh, oh, uh, come on now, uh, come on now. Health insurance is down 29.5 percent on the year and 4.1 uh, percent on last month, according to the uh, the CPI report yesterday. Um, anybody that believes that has rocks in their head. All right. Oh, oh, by the way, it's also 0.593 percent of household expenditures. Why, uh, out of all the Six things... Six-tenths of one percent. Well, I was... I was uh, um, uh, oh, oh, if you want to see a little bit of truth, car insurance is up 17.8% of the year and and 1.7% on the month. That's actually about right. That is probably about right, yeah. 
It's it, it, but here's the and and they claim it's two and a half well two point six five two point six six uh, percent of the average household budget. What um, when people uh, you know it's funny my I had this discussion with my nephew, and I said something to the effect and he he's 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 sort of right in in one way. Uh, I hate to say that about my nephew, but uh, I was talking about how if you make uh, you know three grand a month it's 36 grand a year four grand's 48 obviously right well, if your your health care if your company's paying two grand most people don't they don't even they don't they don't even think that they're paying it it's oh, just kind and, of, and, and you know what i used to i used to go through this when i was running mcs we had an all-employee meeting once a year and i went through and and you can't use individual people because you're violating you know a whole bunch of things hipaa and everything else uh, but what you can do is use averages, okay? Because that doesn't pinpoint anybody, right? All right. So I would do that, and I and I I point out. I said, you know, okay, this is how much the company forks up, you know, for you to have your tiny little deduction that comes out of your check. You know, if you opt for health insurance, you know, here's the rest of the story, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and then the same thing with all the employment taxes. Uh, you know, sh- Chicago had a head tax, okay? So you know, we had to pay that. Um. Uh, and you know, and all the other embedded costs that I could not itemize on your check stub uh, of having you as an employee, but but I had to write those checks. Okay, they were they were part of the expense, and and then I reduced that because most of my staff was not exempt; they were hourly. And I said, well, uh, so you know, this is this is what the government policies that you guys allow to uh, you know to be out here because I'm just one vote. You guys are a whole lot more votes. I'm one vote. Um, here's how much money you'd be taking home if it was not for this. Why? Why isn't part of uh, you ran a company, and you know, obviously, my brother's the president of PTI, but I mean, we both run it. Uh, why isn't it normal uh, game theory, or whatever we want to call it? If I walk in for a job and I go, uh, Tom, we'd love to have you. We're going to pay you five grand a month, and we'll take care of your medical expenses, which is roughly two, right? 1800 right. something like that. It, why isn't it part of the plan where I say, my wife's a teacher, I'm covered by her, give me eight grand a month? Well, it should be. But but but, but nobody does that. But I, I you're right. Nobody does that, but we absolutely should do it. And it is it is very, from my perspective, this is one of the biggest. So here, you know, we, we do this kind of thing all the time in a lot of other places. All right. So, for example, uh, your your car insurance has a medical payments uh, section that that makes medical payments. Well, if you have health insurance, why do you need this? Well, yeah. Okay, I mean, uh, why do you have six things that all overlap? And and oh, by the way, when something happens, it, everybody, st- all these companies start fighting to not be the one that gets stuck with the bill too. Which impacts you because you know don't wouldn't you think that there ought to be one place that all that stuff lands and that would you know that's the guy that has to write the check, okay? Um, except that's not how it works because you have all these overlapping things and so that everyone everyone goes after everybody and, and this by the way draws a lot you know what drives a lot of the lawsuits because none of these companies want to pay, all right? So if they can find some way to stick it on somebody else, they'll do it. And I don't blame him for doing that. You do it too. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, part of this is that we have all these mandates and all this all this BS that goes on in this area. I you know, I had people that worked for me. Most of most of them were young, uh, and so you know they didn't have somewhere else. Some of them were were kids that were in college. But you know what? Some of the some of the colleges at the time they all do it now. But some of them at the time insisted that you have their health coverage from well, the college. Well, I mean, at well, uh, University of Chicago, they had a they had a big university system when. I went well, there. Saying, I, their, I, I, was, I was just covered. I didn't. I didn't pay anything for it. I well, was just covered. well, but well, yeah, you did. It was part right. of your student right. fee assessments. Right. Okay. But but tell me why, if if that's the case, why should you, why should you take it? Why should there be a system designed that you that you take it from whoever you're working for in that situation? Okay. Why don't you just get the money? I I would have if 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 they hadn't designed the system in such a way. And they have. I mean, ERISA and, and all of the other laws related to this are set up in such a fashion that in order for it to be deductible, uh, the employer has to pay above the line. In other words, you don't pay taxes on the money. Uh, you, you, the employer has to pay more than 50% for the, for the coverage. Cannot come out of the paycheck. Okay? More than half has to be paid by the employer. Carl, it was so long, so long ago, I don't remember. I... I don't know well, if as I long was just... as it is, as long as it is, it's it's deductible above the line. Okay, which means as an employer, I didn't have to pay taxes on the funds that I then spent for that benefit. Okay, now that's a huge difference because otherwise it's subject to corporate income tax. Right? But I, I was so, a, but I mean I was I was just so long ago. But and I was a healthy two years. I never had any issue. Uh, I, I'm thinking I might have had I might have just been in, covered at the University of Chicago Medical Group. I don't know. I don't know. I suppose if I'd have broke a leg skiing, they'd have to pay out there too. But uh, I think it was, you know, you were expected to go there. I, I'm well, not... but that, that, well, yeah. But see, the thing is this: if, if, if we have we have corrupted so much within our economy when it comes to this kind of thing that I mean, the the screwing that the average person takes from this kind of over. You know this kind of overlap and stuff. People don't even—they have no comprehension of how bad well, you, it is. You, you get immune to it, absolutely immune to it. Yeah. Well, you have no. Con- you know what? No, it's not. So, I don't, Chief. I don't know that it's so much that people are immune to it. It's that they—they they, nobody ever sits them down and goes through any of this stuff. I every time I did this, there, there's just people around the t- around the conference room table just going like, "What why, the blank? Why, why, blank? why do we not want to give? We're gonna go to break here a little because of the PPI." But let's talk about this after, because uh, yesterday I was kind of ranting and raving about me talking talking about the the uh, different tax brackets and some of the stuff with Obamacare and things like that, where there's there's levels at which you know things kick in where you got to pay yourself over a certain amount. Well, if right. we have, we we've inflated our way up to the point where fifty thousand dollars is the same as forty thousand dollars salary was three years ago, yet you're paying twenty two percent tax instead of twelve. So, I mean, none, none of this is, is even. Anyway, SP Futures down 7, as if you're down 47. Be right back, PPI report. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading 
ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. SP Futures down 10, NASDAQ Futures down 64. This number came in at 0.3 month to month as opposed to the expected 0.2. Uh, why don't you give us a real quick, uh, uh, with no baseball, why don't you just give a little bit of uh, weather, and, weather and traffic and we'll be, get the car back. All right. Yeah, skipping the baseball, going straight to Chicago weather. It's currently 70 degrees. We have sunny skies. We have a slight chance of rain, about 22% today, and that's going to hit around 4 p.m. if it does. Over in Phoenix, they're currently at 87 degrees. They got clear skies. They're going to have a high of 105, and that high is going to hit around 5 p.m. Now, finally, for some Chicago traffic. Looks like a bit, uh, bit more heavier than the usual Friday here. Now, let's see. We have uh, out on the inbound uh, 94. We have, uh, or, excuse me, on the Dan Ryan. Uh, we have an accident with injuries. Uh, doesn't look to be causing too many delays out there. Um, let's see. That is right next to uh, uh, I-90. Uh, or excuse me, uh, 63rd Street, that's what it is. Um, but other than that, uh, we have some red on the inbound Kennedy uh, and the outbound Eisenhower as well. But that seems to be all we get to look out for today. So, Carl, well, these uh, younger, like, computer sort of dudes, I suppose you're an older computer sort of dude. Now, you're, I'm looking at my monitor here, and it says sunny. But then <laughs> I did the really bad thing and look out the window. I don't see sun anywhere. It was cloudy as hell. Oh, you know, I tell you, you know, it's, it's, oh, you got to love this stuff, you know. Uh, cloudy with a chance of tornadoes. Yeah. I, I, the other day, here, oh, you know, it might rain. Oh, well, you know, a couple hours later, uh, boy, that, uh, I have the guys here uh, changing the HVAC system in the house. And uh, all of a sudden, it looks like it's nighttime and it's two in the afternoon. I'm like, uh, hey, dudes, yeah, uh, y- y- you, how, how close are you being done with the outside stuff? 
oh, we're done. Well, you might want, you know that tent you got up there? Uh, take it down, like, now. <laughs> yeah, it's a... Uh, uh, you know, well, by the way, uh, if you've not seen these uh, or experienced some of this newer stuff, um, I'll, I'll tell you what, I had this thing changed. Uh, I did it prospectively, even though my current system was, was still working. It was older. I did it because I don't trust, you know, the, the Biden administration has already done several things that have radically increased the cost of this equipment uh, by about $1,000, by the way. Yeah, what's with the new, they're banning yet another uh, well, they're, they, gas they, or something. They, they're trying to ban 410A, which is what's in basically all your home air conditioners. Um, and so the uh, the whole point of that uh, was, was and, and this is, this is driven by the AC industry, okay? These guys, it's the same thing that happened with, our, with albuterol. Uh, albuterol is a rescue inhaler that asthmatics carry around because it's fast-acting and it's a bronchial dilator. Uh, it, it doesn't have any steroids in it, so you can, you, know, you can puff on it whenever you need to without it screwing you up in other ways. Well, it happened to have uh, R22 in it as a propellant, which is a chlorinated fluorocarbon, which allegedly destroys the ozone layer, right? And that's why it was banned by the Montreal Protocols. You can't make any more of it. Um, well, guess what? The pharmaceutical industry strongly supported this ban. Strongly supported this ban. Never mind the stuff's off patent, so it's dirt cheap to make. Um, and then they turned around, and although the actual drug hadn't changed a bit, the propellant was changed. Because you need something that you can inhale that isn't going to screw you, that's a, you know, it's a gas, right? right. So it's got to be non-toxic. Well, as it turns out, refrigerants that are used in things that humans have contact with, uh, that's one of the requirements because you don't want to kill the guy if there's a leak. <laughs> that would yeah. be bad. Right. So um, anyway, uh, they turned around and then they uh, increased the price by about 10 times for these inhalers, even though the dr- because now the propellant was patented. And, oh, oh, gee, well, you know, that, that means it's on patent, so now we could, we could jack the price. They screwed everybody. Same thing as who, the EpiPen. Oh, it's the same thing with the EpiPens. Yeah. And, then, and, and now, the, a, the AC industry, the manufacturers, oh boy, they, you know, 410A, along with 134A, which is what's in your car, are old enough that they're both off patent. So now, the manufacturers are strongly supporting this because this stuff is supposedly a greenhouse gas. It makes the, it makes the earth warmer. Yeah. And, and, oh, by the way, what it really is is that in, instead of costing, uh, you know, 100 bucks to top up your AC system, it's going to cost 1000 Do you think these people... And I'm not just going to say this administration, but in, in these administrations, do, do they even know they're getting played, or, or are they so dumb? Oh, they're part. Of, they're part of it, Chief. Look, it's the same thing I've pointed out that you know everybody is screaming about the situation with insurance in Florida. Okay, with homeowners insurance yeah. and car. By the way, car insurance is just as bad down there, and the reason is that your un- your uninsured motorist coverage is extro- extortionately expensive because they will not throw anybody in jail. That runs around in a car without dri- without insurance or without driver's license for that matter, which you know all the illegals, right? Okay, they just won't do it, and as a result, even though legally you have to have insurance to drive supposedly, and the state supposedly will revoke your license plates if they catch you, you know, with, without having it supposedly. In fact, they never do anything to anyone. They don't force and, any of this stuff. Well, and you know what? So as a result of this. Your uninsured motorist coverage is frequently is as expensive or more expensive than your liability premium. All right? And the same thing, all the fraud 
with the insurance claims on homeowners. Oh, well, you know, you had two, sh- you had two shingles ripped off. Well, yeah, your roof's 25 years old. Oh, that was a storm. And so the insurance company ends up buying you a roof, okay, that was worn out. There wasn't anything wrong with it other than the fact that it, it's 25 years old. It needs to be replaced. I, it, this goes on all the time. And then you have the contractors that build a house. They don't comply with the codes. The inspector never inspects. Who knows if there's some $100 bills in the envelope that, that get passed around? I don't know. Uh, I have personal experience with this. When I lived there, I had a dock put in, and the the secondary panel to that dock was wired incorrectly. The inspector didn't inspect. He signed off on the job. He never actually got out of his truck. I'm absolutely certain of it because I, I opened the panel up to put a search suppressor in it for the whole house, saw what they, they'd done. I called this guy up and ripped him a new you-know-what, okay, and, and, oh, well, you know, these guys are good. I, I said, well, I don't care if they're good. They did it wrong. And that, that's the end of the conversation. Oh, by the way, guess who gets turned into a human hot dog if there's a problem with it on the dock? Yeah, right? you. That'd be, yeah. that'd be me. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, I care a little bit about this. And so, um, you know, electricity and water, they, they get along real well. Oh, yeah, real well. Especially, yeah. especially when you're in the middle. And so. Uh, Salt water is worse, right? Oh, well, yeah, it's yeah, much more yeah. conductive. So, yeah, so this kind of thing, you know, this this is the reason for this problem. But here is why DeSantis and the other elements of government will do nothing about it. If, you're, if your house gets destroyed during a storm as a result or damaged as a result of this fraud, in other words, there's supposed to be hurricane clips and a secondary barrier, basically a, a rubber sheet that's self-adhesive that's, it, that's underneath the shingles. If that stuff's not there, and your roof gets torn off, and your house gets trashed, that's GDP. Oh yeah, well, that makes the economy look better. Well, that that drives employment. And guess what? These guys love that stuff. How come that you get that you get it in the back doesn't matter? Well, absolutely. But why? Explain to me. This is a real stupid, simple well, question. Well, hang why? On a minute, Chief. Why Chief, people people think this doesn't change? Oh yes, it does. My, my uninsured motorist premium here in Tennessee is less than I would spend a nice night out at the bar. I don't think it's very much for me either. Costs nothing here. You know why? Because if you try that crap, they throw you in jail. Well, I'm not so <laughs> sure they they're throwing people in jail in Illinois, but I, I think it's a real small part of mine. Well, it's well they do here. I, around here, it just don't happen. I only right? pay, I mean, I only, pl- I only pay 700 plenty, a year. We have, we have plenty of illegal immigrants in this area, okay, and you know what? There's a 15-passenger van that pulls up at the Kroger with an American guy driving it, and they all go, you know, go into the store and buy their stuff. All right, they're not running around in cars with no driver's licenses and no insurance. Well, probably because they can't actually get tags. Well, ex- explain to me this, Lucy, as they used to say on, on Lucy Show. How well, how is it that every auto insurance company last year seems to have lost their collective ass? billion dollars here, a couple billion dollars there, and yet every, not every, but virtually every commercial you see and any kind of sporting stuff has to do with car insurance. Well, uh, part, of, part of the problem is, is that is, well, I'm sure you know this because, you, you know, you're, you're Mr. Finance too. Insurance companies, uh, because of the function of how actuarial policy work, uh, they they have to put a bond ladder together in order to fund their operations, and that's a um, that's a little bit of a problem when rates are going up, isn't it? 
Well, what I'm saying is, is State Farm, who's headquartered in Illinois, uh, claimed they lost, I don't know, what, the last quarter, a billion something in car insurance, and all state was right in a raisin rate. Yet all you have to do is turn on TV. Either got Flo or Jake from State Farm or the stupid, oh, yeah. or the stupid bird, or uh, <laughs> Chief. Yeah. Chief, have you seen what happens with some of the with these newer cars? Okay, uh, there, there's there was a guy that uh, in fact this made Fox News. One of the Lightnings, one of the new Ford electric trucks. Okay, gets hit, uh, damages one of the lights. I mean, you know, you you got four, right? You yeah. got two in the front, you got two in the back. All right, damage is light. Car's out of service for months because they can't get the part. And and I've seen some reports that, like, these headlight housings are like $3,000. Or, yeah, I bet you got to take the entire Audrey's Cadillac, which she just got rid of. Um, I mean, she, she used it a long time. You got to take the, the bumper off to, to replace the headlight bulb. Well, you know what? On, on most vehicles, that takes about fifteen minutes. I mean, I, I getting the bumper cover off on most cars. No, no, I'm, I'm saying hers. Uh, I went on uh, YouTube to see if I could do it. You, you had to take the tire off and and start taking stuff off. You, you, know, you had to get get the the bolts from inside the wheel well, and it was it was probably a fifteen step procedure. Well, you know they say that. I, I'll tell you what they said. They they tried to run the same BS on on my Jetta, which is you know twenty years old now. My daughter's got it. Uh, you know to get the get to the headlights. You know here's the procedure. Blah 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 blah. Yeah right. Okay, I can get my hand in there. I can change it without having to do any of that. It takes about thirty seconds. Uh, it, so oh, I, I mean it. okay. it's not always not always true. Okay, but yeah, if you take it into the dealer, guess what? That's what they're going to charge it because that's what the book procedure says. Okay, same kind of thing with changing the alternator on that car. The the the, the procedure starts with remove the front of the vehicle. <laughs> right? but, I mean, the truth is, I can get it out the bottom in about fifteen minutes. So I it, it, there's some of this is is game playing by the manufacturer. You should have, so you, some of, you should have seen me. Uh, I had a I had an, a seventy three, the seventy three Jeep, right? Uh, Wagoneer. What a classic vehicle. Well, the water pump conks out. You know, so right. I, all right. Well, I got to. Everything in the car was was tied into the the two belts that were in the water pump. So, you know, it wasn't that hard to do. But I mean, the stuff I had off, I had I had buckets. My brother yeah. comes home from work and he goes, "What are you doing?" One bucket had the air conditioning stuff. One bucket had that power steering pump. <laughs> the other one, the alternator. I got I got to. T- I think I had to take the radiator out. So everything yeah, I've seen <laughs> I've seen all sorts of weird things. But like it was that. easy I to mean, get to in those days. I mean, it was it was easy right. to do that. I mean, it was not it right. was not like now. But it well, was, but but part of but a huge part of this, chief, is that we have allowed this this sort of uh, you know non repairability would be the best way to put it. Okay, a headlight housing is three thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, guess what? If you get in a little fender bender, what are the odds are you're going to crack one or both of those? Well, that's, right, like that, like a hundred percent. Well, that's first of all when Audrey bought her new car. The guy tells me they now have a uh, a finance department for new cars, used cars, and repairs. Separate yeah. guy, but the uh, any kind of body work. I mean, you're you're talking massive amounts of dough, and I, I you know I almost feel for these. Plus, their the places are packed. Why why weren't we smart enough three and a half years ago? Audrey had one for sale. Why didn't we buy a really nice auto repair place? Those guys, they're 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 killing it. Well, they yeah they are, but it's uh, but I mean it's. Well, I have a friend of mine that's in he's into body work around here. I mean it's what he does. He's been doing it for you know he's he's a gray hair like me. He's been doing it forever. He's really good at it too. 
but it, yeah, I mean, he's you know, guys that know what they're doing have more work than they know what to do. I can't find a guy. I got some rust issues in the suburban, which I actually would like to fix. I cannot find a person to do rust. The guy goes, nobody does rust anymore. It's all collision. There's way more money in collision than rust. Well, yeah, and, and part of the problem is that actually doing that correctly is really expensive. Oh, yeah. Okay, I mean, it's, and, and people just won't pay it. It's, it, it, you know, I mean, it's, there's uh, rocker panels in the salt area get trashed by the, you know, by the salt gets in there and corrodes the metal, and then, you know, and then that's like, well, you know, gee, that's, you know, that's four grand worth of work. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, you know, people go, what? How much? Well, that's why I'm actually looking for a truck, and I, of course, everybody gives me no one to grief on everything, but it's fine. That's what we have friends and family for. I, I'm, I really only want one from a southern state. Yeah. I oh, by the one. way, so, since this PPI thing came out, yeah, and we, and we got sidetracked. Um, you know, you know what I said uh, when they started saying, "Oh, inflation is coming back." I said, "No, no, 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 no." Um, what Biden did, this whole Inflation Reduction Act, uh, which is a total load of BS. Now, by the way, he's taken that back and said, oh, that really wasn't its intention. Right. Even though that's what they called it. Even though that's what you, how you sold it to the American it's public. like the, the right? Patriot but, Act. No, no, I didn't yeah. mean to do that. Yeah, like the Patriot Act. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it, scamming the public is, is what government does best. They did it again. I, and I said, no, there's a second impulse. It's in the system. This has put it in the system. It's going to be coming through. Well, guess what? It is. Well, because you actually um, saw the money supply creep up over the last couple of months. But here, uh-huh. my, it, so I have a couple of specific questions for you. Uh, um, well, so, so here's, here's finish the up your part. Yeah. So ser- final demand services up 0.5 on the month. Yeah, services were way up. Which, by the way, is the highest in the last year. Why, uh, why I guess... And, and, and by the way, trade, okay, which, which is a big component of services, okay, is, is 0.7. So that, that, and TTE, trade, tra- transportation, warehousing, is up 0.5. That's a bad one, too. Now, here's, now, the interesting thing about that one is that had had several months of negative prints, which had held down the, the total services number. And is it looked very recessionary. Uh, now it appears that the transportation warehousing guys can't eat any more of it, and now it's coming through into prices. Absolutely. What? What? Uh, that's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to uh, to get the progression on all this stuff, Carl. Because it, it is, in, in a way, it's the same as any kind of inflation ever was. Too much money in the system, but because of the way it was done, and because of the COVID and all the other stuff that happened, it's almost being accentuated. In some areas, I mean, a lot of the services. I mean, around here, I, mean, I don't know what the services are talking about. I, don't, I mean, I don't think your your barbers up that much or anything like that. But but if, if you have anything to do with your house, it has, or your or, or uh, God help you, you want to re- remodel like a floor in one of these downtown buildings. I think a lot of it has to do with nobody did anything for two and a half years. The the entire country had like two and a, there's two and a half years of no maintenance. And, and yeah, well, well, a good part of it is that, yes. And, it, and uh, you know, well, what did people do? They sat around and drank beer and smoked bongs if yeah. you were in a state where that was legal. And, uh, you know, so there you go. And uh, now, you know, now here we are. I mean, I, I, now I will say some of the newer technology, uh, you know, I mean, I've, I've got the, the 2015 Mazda that, uh, that 
It's a full-size car. It gets almost 40 miles a gallon on the highway. You try doing that with stuff that was made 20 years ago. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. not happening. What Same I'm thing. With, I mean, the new air conditioner, I can't even hear the thing run, Tom. Yeah, well, Audrey ended up getting one after 25 years, and I think her electric bill is down. I mean, it's... Well, this or, one's, or, uh, yeah, this this one, I bought, well, I've got a lot of instrumentation, okay? And, and when it's running, with the same amount of cooling, it pulls 20% less power in the old system. Yeah. And I, I mean, and that's that's real, okay? Now, will it ever pay for the new? No. But I was going to end up in the next couple of years having to buy one anyway. Right. So I'm I'm going to, I'm trying to get in front of what it's, I it's, suspect. It's worth, it's worth doing it a year before it conks. It's not worth replacing one you did five years ago, and it's perfectly fine, but... Correct, but well, and, and on top of that, if you anticipate that you know that the current administration is going to be here for at least another year, how much more can they screw up and drive the price up? Well, I mean, it's it's also, but a lot of it is on the. There's not a whole lot of people that are in the trade. I'm talking about the trade stuff because I'm you know I'm always doing stuff at my place. I do it uh, a to keep my my eye on the ball more than really anything else. Well, there's right. guys here in the building that that do work on the side. Okay, they're engineers in the building, uh, and they <laughs> they. Uh, They've always, they've done work for me for you know 15 years and they're terrific guys. The whole family helps out and it's you know your basic guys that do stuff. And uh, but he says now the demand is so high. He goes, my buddy tells me the people like t- like Tom who's been a customer forever. You give them the good price, everybody else you just double it. You just they don't you, you just heard from them. I've I've heard estimates where you know these guys that advertise doors and windows and stuff. Guys are talking four grand a door. Oh, I know. Yeah, I mean, you it's, know, it's incredible, Chief. Some of this stuff is ridiculous, and I, I, I had a tree that I wanted taken out uh, in front of the house because it, it, it was starting to get close enough to the, you know, the roof that in a storm there was, you know, there was risk of, uh, you know, roof damage. Right. I, I actually, I ended up hiring a, a place to come do it, but one of the quotes I got was at three times that price. Yeah. All right, we're not talking about you know twenty or thirty percent differences, three times. Now I don't know what that guy was smoking. I'll bet he has people to take say yes. Well, you know what? He obviously does, or he wouldn't still be in business, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, there is a lot of that sort of garbage that's going on, and and if you're not careful, or God forbid, you need it done now. Oh yeah, good luck with that. Uh, oh, oh boy! Yeah. All right, and then you know, I mean, a, a gee, you never get a storm where there's a tree down on top of your roof, and you got to have a guy come out get get it out of there today. And uh, and and oh, by the way, that means that you actually need equipment. You can't get out there with your own chainsaw because it's on the house. Well, I did right. one of the one of the kitchens in the place, and the whole world is is changed. I mean, I used to remodel kitchens uh, back in, when I was remodeling homes. And I, I was pretty good at designing them and, you know, putting the cabinet. I mean, all the other guys did the tile and all the other stuff that is more of a... Right. So I had a place. There was a big warehouse here that did kitchen cabinets. And I would just... I'd go right to the, to the factory. And I'd say, I need... You know, it doesn't take a whole lot of brains. You get a piece of graph paper. This is before computers. You sit there, okay, I need a 16-inch here. Or, they're all in three-inch chunks, as you well know. So there's a 36, a 33, a 30. I mean, it, so whatever. I want drawers. I want, you know. So all of a sudden, I hadn't done it for a long time. And I go into Home Depot and I said, you know, I'm, I'm looking. How much How much you guys charging, like, per cabinet for this? And the cabinets, even though the big ones and the little ones, are all pretty much the same price. Well, in those days, it was like $100 a cabinet. Well, now God knows what. But 
So the guy goes, well, what do you mean, how much per cabinet? I said, well, I want to buy some cabinets. How, how much? Uh, we don't do it that way. Uh, what, do you, what do you mean you don't do it that way? Well, we will help you design it. I already designed it. I don't need that. I just want to know if I want to buy these 10 cabinets, what's it going to cost me? Oh, man, we don't. <laughs> I, never, I never could get a price out of it. I had to walk it out. It was like, I can't just buy 10 cabinets from you idiots without you getting involved in the process of some big routine and then you come back with this big bill. I want to know, does this one's 100 bucks? this one's 150 this one's 200 What's the difference in the different cabinets? I couldn't get, I couldn't get an answer out of the guy. But anyway, I guess uh, we got a few minutes here. When, I mean, you and I, uh, you know, we, we sort of laugh at how the numbers are going here and how some of the stuff, especially the CPI. How, how, Carl, five years from now, even if, these guys uh, managed to make a 2 or 3% inflation per year for the next five years, which, by the way, is another 15% on top of it. When, right. when, as bad as I think you know, some of the government numbers are, someday, like you always talk about, someday the establishment survey has to meet the household. So someday, somewhere, we're going to wise up in this country and say, you keep telling me that rent is up 15% in the last 20 years. Buddy, it's... <laughs> It's tripled. I mean, some someplace, somewhere, this is going to have to sort of match up. And well, yet, it has to, yeah. But, how, but how's that even going to happen? Is there going to be an adjustment some month? Is, what, what? No, what's what's going to? I mean, look, the you can only lie for so long. The reality is, is that when the checkbook's empty, it's empty, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's how it works. So, it, what what you're seeing? I mean, I'm seeing this in the in the residential property market around here. Is so the market is basically locked up. And and you have all these people who are they're, they're trapped. There's they they don't have a good choice. No, they can't okay? go anywhere. They can't go anywhere. Guess what? Um, when the next the when employment rolls over, and employment is cyclical, and it eventually will roll over, right? Because that's the nature of cyclical things. Uh, when employment rolls over, there's going to be a huge problem here because oh, if these people have to, have well, I'm to just sell, saying I've got a yeah, uh, chief, I've got a job here. Okay, I lose it. There's, there's another one. There's, there's a job. A guy that wants to hire me. It's in Cincinnati. Well, we saw that in 2007. People, I know. People could probably have ridden it out if nobody, if nobody would have gotten laid off. Yeah, but that doesn't happen. Okay. Well, plus when now it's, it's you have double the chance because neither the husband or the wife can carry the mortgage by themselves. Well, the other thing, yeah, that's right. And then the other thing that's happening is that you have, you know, you have all these people, you have people that tried to game this thing during the pandemic. They moved to places like here, much lower cost of living, but they're still making the salary from, you know, Silicon Valley or Chicago or DC or whatever, right? And then, and they think that this remote work is going to be permanent. And then their boss turns out and says, get your butt back in the office. Without a doubt, yeah. All right, and and oh by the way, that three percent mortgage that they had from down here, uh, it's seven up there in Arlington now. Right. Plus the house is twice as expensive. Good luck. Well, yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it's, but I mean, if obviously everybody's hoping that the quote recession doesn't cause people to uh, lose jobs, because if they do, oh yeah, that's not, that that's a realistic expectation, right? Well, I'm not, I, I I don't think it's <laughs> I don't think it's realistic to have no cyclicality. But I would hope it's realistically we don't go through 2007 again. I, oh, really? I, I'm hoping. Well, I said hope, didn't I? Uh, well, you know, hope is not a strategy. 
no, it is for, it is for some people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there is there is some serious trouble coming, and the only thing that the Biden administration can hope for, and this is where they're playing to at the present time, is that it doesn't go up their backside before next November. Right. Exactly. Okay, and that's what everyone is playing for right now. Without a doubt. Hey, scheme. we got a minute. What uh, Russell brought up some stuff, and I, and I, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff flying around. That's why I love you guys on here. That I don't I, just kind of flies right by me. This this has been my my week where I was talking to Kevin earlier. I've, I've dig, dug into some numbers this week, which I should never do, and I, I'm my my mind is opened up in four different places. I mean, I had no idea that 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 uh, UCLA has an eleven billion dollar revenue and, and expense budget. Jesus Christ, oh, I, never, yeah. I never came close to it. But anyway, Russell was talking about there's going to be a change come September if everybody has to start writing, uh, writing checks for their student loans. And right. I guess, you know, I, I mean, I just I never had one. I was fortunate enough in my era, of, you know, you could actually pay for your college education. I, I was, is this right? I, I found there's 43 million people that have them. And the average, the average uh, uh, payment per month is 286 bucks. For God's sake, that's $12 yeah. billion. Dollars. Yeah. This is, this I had is, no idea it was that big. Chief, the the government gamed, and, you know, for those people who think that Trump was a, was a monster but Biden is greater, or the other way around, okay, whichever, both of these guys, both sides of the aisle, did everything in their power to game these numbers and to game the economy. And the problem with doing it was it was all predicated yeah. on things that they knew full well could not be permanently maintained, okay, like the stuff with the student loan payment moratoriums. That money has been in people's pockets. Well, guess what? Three hundred dollars a month is. is <laughs> you tell me that's not going to hit the, oh, the rest of the economy. It's so going to hit the local it bar isn't. for sure. It's going to hurt everything. Well, I was going to say, yeah. How how many of the guys that are sitting, you know, young people that are sitting in that bar on Friday night? That's their check. You know, I, have, I, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but we got to dash here pretty soon. When the government, uh, Kevin told me that the government took the Obama administration, it used to be, I think, people had. You got some loan from the government at a smaller per, uh, interest rate, and then you filled the gap with like a private one. So you might have well, ten dollar. Yeah, it was like a ten dollar. You might have a ten thousand dollar loan at three percent and a ten thousand loan at six. When when the government combined them all together under the Obama administration, did they give you a blended rate? Did you all go down to three? What happened to the people who gave you the other loans? Did the, did the government pay them all off? I mean, I, I have no idea how the well, procedure went. Well, no. So, so basically what the government did was they took over all the servicing, and then they also took over all new issuance. So all the old stuff was still out there. Okay, it was still okay. out there. Well, yeah, because they couldn't yeah. screw the guy who, who, you know, that stuff got securitized or whatever, right? Whoever was holding that paper. They couldn't screw that guy. That's you know, you'd get a Fifth Amendment takings lawsuit out of that, and, and that guy would win. Uh, so no, that didn't happen. But but all the new issuance went on. Now, if you take a look at the at the uh, student loans owned and securitized since Obama did that, uh, Fred has it. You, you'll see it. It basically went vertical. It went exponentially higher. But there's still and people c- paying. The private person, the six percent from before that time. There's still people paying us off. Well, if they didn't right? refinance, but most people did because okay. the government allowed you to do that. All so, right, okay, uh, fair enough. All right. Yeah. Now, generally speaking, with student loans, you're allowed to refinance once, and only once. Okay. okay. But but when Obama did this, 
everybody and their brother that had any hint of sense. And, you know, if you had four different loans for four different places, you consolidated it all into one under their program because it was cheaper. Oh, yeah. Okay, I get it. And so, yeah, so, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, it's just like, you know, I mean, why wouldn't you refinance your mortgage? you got a 7% mortgage. All of a sudden, I could, you know, I can replace it with three, and you're only four years into it. Well, you're crazy not to. Well, 43 million people have to send a $286 million uh, check every minute. That's going to affect everything, for God's sake. I had no idea it was that big. I mean, you guys continue to astound me. Carl, thank you very much, buddy. Have a nice weekend. SP Futures now 1350. NASDAQ Futures down 87. Not huge, but we're down. Uh, Back on Monday, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex, offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.